And we're going to learn about scripture meditation, memorization and meditation. Psalm 119 and verse 48. Um, look at your Bible. Look at Psalm 119, verse 48. My hands also will I lift up under thy commandments. As if to say, I'm in awe, almost to the point of worship, but I'm in awe of God's commandments, which I have loved. And he makes a decision. He says, and I will meditate in thy, sta in thy statutes. I'll meditate in your laws, in your words, in this, in, in this Bible. Now, scripture meditation is so mocked and ignored by the normal Christian. I know it's, you know, uh, ignored by the world. But a lot of Christians believe they're just too busy that they just can't add something else to their schedule. And I have to tell you, that's not true. The world has soaked up and enslaved Christians into so many things that obviously they don't have time. But you can't complain that you're too busy when these are things that will make it so that you can have a sound mind. Modern Christians see scripture meditation as just one more thing they have to do. And so they end up with a bad attitude. They don't want it. I don't think I want to do it. Okay. Yet, scripture meditation is such a powerful tool if you want to have that sound mind the Bible talks about and a strong heart. It's like, it's like dynamite. That Bible is like dynamite for a hard heart. It's like a plunger for a clogged mind. Boy, do we need some serious work on our thinking. So f our, our brain is so full of rubbish. Uh, think of the uh how many hours, thousands of hours of stupid videos and confusion and and numbing down that people go through every week and then i come on a sunday and i look at you and you're a million miles away and i think how is it ever going to work i know that i have i have no way to compete against what you've been watching and what you've been hanging around with, what you've been thinking all week long, unless God is brought into it. And you kind of have to have a part in it where you are allowing the word of God to get deep into you. So it's not just superficial because deep down, there's a lot of swill. There's a lot of sewage. There's a lot of rubbish in our thinking. Scripture meditation is a lost art. Did you know professional counselors get paid 250 euros an hour? 250 euros an hour to try to help people fix what they don't believe in. You know, the psychologist, psychiatrist doesn't believe that you really have a soul. They believe there's something in, inside of you. It's all chemical cascades of reactions, things like this. But they, they get 250 euros an hour to try to help you through your problems. And yet God gave you a book that probably is in your hands and is probably on your phone uh, that can fix what is broken inside your mind and your heart, God gave you his words. We call them scripture. Scripture means holy writings. They were meant not only to be in a book, but was meant to be engraved upon our hearts and our minds. And we, we, we get it into our heart and our mind through two key activities, memorization and meditation. Now, uh, go to Joshua 1.8. It's our memory verse last month, but let's look at this. By the way, Anthony, your 60th birthday was this was recently, wasn't it? Somebody said you were 60. I'll go and get them in big trouble. Okay. But you did have a birthday. That was on Monday. Well, happy birthday. Good. But well, we like to celebrate those who have a zero in there. In there. But you ain't there yet, so we're not going to rush you. All right, good. <laughs> uh, Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. Joshua 1.8, this is not a suggestion, it's a command, and it's a command to busy people. Joshua had just taken over responsibility for the leadership of the nation of Israel. And God said to Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, he said, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. You make sure what you say is what I would say. And thou shalt, that's a command, meditate therein, not only on your off days, but day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. So busy people, doesn't matter. Busy people are commanded to make meditation a priority. Now, so I got to ask you, what's on your mind? What's on your mind? I'd like us to take back what RTE and what Netflix and YouTube has stolen. 
and try to get the words of this book back on our minds. So I got to first start off, and when I say the word meditation, a lot of people don't understand what that means. What is this concept of meditation? And um, uh, uh, by, by meditation, the biblical definition is it is the organized storing away of truth deep in our hearts so that we can think on it whenever we need it. Uh, back to Psalm 119, Psalm 119 and verse 11. Psalm 119 and verse 11. Psalm 119 and verse 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against thee. Think about that. Thy word. That's God's words. Uh, how many words do you hear and do you think about all day that aren't God's words? Thy word have I hid in mine heart. Now that's, that's the word meditation on. It's memorizing and meditating until it sinks deep in your heart. It's like hiding away your dishes. Now, you're not hiding them from, the, from the, uh, the guests, but they're stored away so that you know where they are. Can you imagine? Do you remember when you first moved into your house and your wife put the cups in this cabinet and the bowls in this cabinet, the plates in that cabinet and the forks over here? And you come in, gentlemen, you're like, oh, where'd you put the cups? She says, it's in the cabinet. She says, we have five cabinets. <laughs> And you're looking here and you're looking there trying to find it. You don't know where it is, but after a while, you know where it's been stored. And when you meditate and you memorize the word of God, you're storing it in some place in your mind and in your heart where you can always get at it. That's what it's why it uses the word hide it. They're just organized. They're stored away in proper places. Philippians 4, 8. Philippians to the right. We'll refer to this scripture a couple of times here. Philippians 4, 8. Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, that's the opposite than the news you read, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, notice these next four words, you ought to underline them, think on these things uh, this is in the context of protecting your mind. Go back to verse 7. Watch what he says in the peace of God, which passes all understanding. You'll never understand the peace of God, but it will keep your hearts and minds. Keep means protect through Christ Jesus. So how it works is um, you need to. Uh, oh, let me see. Where is my. How, did I hit a button there? Oh, I don't know what happened. It's supposed to go to, I must hit a button there, sorry. Let me, uh, uh, scripture meditation uh, means, 176, yeah. Have I skipped, yeah, oh my goodness, how did I get ahead of that, sorry. I must be pushing buttons while you're there. The, there's the right kind of meditation, I was like, I'm lost here, I don't know what to do. Scripture meditation is not the emptying of our minds, but the filling it. Uh, a lot of uh, modern thoughts on meditation is that you empty your mind. Uh, like uh, people use yoga. And um, this is what people, you ever hear a guy named Bruce Lee? Now Bruce Lee wrote a lot of things about meditation and he said, empty your mind. If you want to get into a fight and win it, he says, empty your mind, be formless, shapeless like water. If you put water into a cup, it becomes the cup. You put water into a bottle, it becomes a bottle. You put it in a teapot, it becomes a teapot. Now, water can flow or it can crash. Just be water, my friend. Be water. During, uh, another guy uh, wrote, during the late nights, try to walk in the empty streets with an empty mind. Now, I think that's stupid, okay? <laughs> you better be aware of where you're at and who's around you, okay? The undisturbed mind, this, you, you, this uh, guru, this other yugu, I can't even pronounce his name, he said, the undisturbed mind is like the calm body water reflecting the brilliance of the moon. Empty the mind and you will realize an undisturbed mind. Now, what they're trying to do is they're trying to speak to a Western mindset that is stressed out, burned out, and we yearn to have an undisturbed, calm mind. 
And a lot of people get this idea that I just need to empty my mind. And yet that is the opposite of what scripture says. Here's what a self-realized master teacher of enlightenment said. Again, I can't pronounce his name. He says, an empty mind is not the devil's house, but is the home of Buddha. Aha. So when you empty your mind, it's so it can be filled by another spirit. Make sure you don't do that. See, the Christian who empties their mind, another spirit will come in. Meditation gives you an opportunity to come to know your invisible self. It allows you to empty yourself of the endless hyperactivity of your mind and to attain calmness. It teaches you to be peaceful, to remove stress, to receive answers where conclusions previously reigned. That's where confusion previously reigned. Uh, the problem is where your answers coming from. Are they coming from another signal? Empty your mind. Stop thinking about anything. Just simply be, said a guy named Paulo Coclo, who was a director, an actor, and a writer. The right kind of med meditation taught in scripture differs from these guys in these following ways. Number one, uh, it, it, it involves filling your mind. And for some people, uh, instead of trying to achieve this mental rest, God wants to rebuild. Uh, if you've got a broken house, if your house collapses, the last thing to do is just sit around and do kumbaya. It's time to clean it out and rebuild it. And that's what God wants to do. Uh, there are people who focus on yoga meditation and visualization and uh, trying to, to uh, uh, visualize the world as you want it when the Bible says we're the exact opposite. Uh, what we do is we meditate on things that are true and clean and honest and pure and just. We meditate on good things. We fill our mind with good things. Instead of visualizing what we want, we're content with what we have. Do you ever think of that? Be content with the things. That's not popular in the Western world. What we think is, well, I don't have enough or I'm not happy and all these things. And so the advertisements and media just constantly convince us you need to believe that you need and you deserve more. When the Bible says we need to be content with what we have until we can change where we're at. There are times when you need to move. There are times where you need to sell your house and, and, and buy another one. But you be content where you're at until God shows you what to do. Third thing that we're different about the world is we seek to be filled not with things, but with a person. Be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. That's what we seek. Instead of the lust of this world, we are different. Now, meditation has a meaning. It means to ponder. A lot of people, I, I know you think, oh, pastor tells us we got to read our Bible. We got to study our Bible. Well, good, that's right. But it's kind of like uh, you got a pipe and water's going through the pipe. That's good, but the pipe's absorbing nothing. The pipe's only a conduit. And there are people who come to church and it goes in one ear and out the other. Now it has some work, it does clean up. It does still bless. The word of God always is at work, but don't be a pipe. Be a sponge. The Christian is, is, is encouraged to what you hear, think about, ponder, consider, muse about it. When you are uh, contemplating and ruminating and pondering and musing and reflecting on something while there's all busyness around you, everybody else is talking to the Lord, and you're kind of off in another world. That's meditation. I read about Elon Musk. Somebody was telling him about, how do you come up with your ideas? He says, in the shower. And I agree with him. I get great ideas. I hate it because I don't have any waterproof notepads to write stuff in because I'm coming up with that stuff. When you're just able to ponder and meditate in the shower or when other people are talking and busy talking about stupid stuff and you just take a step back and you start thinking about something, that is meditation. When something is running through your mind over and over again, not that you're panicking, but you're trying to understand it, trying to get to where you can trust it. Trying to look at it from different directions. Now, how many of you ever seen this rock, seen a rock like this? Just a old, dirty old rock, isn't it, Ethan? Huh? No. If you ever just, uh, now I went on a, a hike one, one day when I was about 12 years old. And we went up this mountain, and on along top of this mountain, I, I, uh, I started to see rocks just like this. And I started to collect them because if you take time to find out what they really are, you open them up and it's a geode. You see the crystals inside of that thing? 
Now on the outside, it looks just like a dirty old, plain old rock you'd kick down the road. But when you take time to open it up and find out what's it like inside, it becomes a whole new rock, doesn't it? So a lot of the thoughts that we think are wasted rocks, they have no meaning, they have no thought to them. But when we take the word of God and we start pondering each word and we open it up, and we understand it, it's like finding truth. And it is truth. It's a very sane exercise to meditate. I read of a, a Vietnamese, sorry, an American soldier who was captured in Vietnam back in 1968. He was placed in a four foot by four foot by four foot box underground. He was left there for 30 days in order to try to break him. In that box, they expected in the heat of the, of the tropical jungle and in the, the perspiration, the sweat, in being, he was given, I can't even describe the kind of filth that he was given. He was given rats to eat. He was given sad things, trying to break him. After 30 days, they popped the lid. It always worked. Out comes this guy. He is a, as thin as you can imagine. His health is at zero, but he's smiling. And as he kind of, he's brought and he sat down and the Vietnamese officer, the North Vietnamese officer looks at him and says, are you going to tell us where the troops are? He says, excuse me, I'm sorry, I, was, I wasn't here, I wasn't listening to you. He says, what are you doing? How can you be smiling? He said, I just finished disassembling and reassembling my Harley Davidson motorcycle back in Iowa. Took it apart bolt by bolt, nut by nut, piece by piece, and I put it all back together and it's running great. <laughs> And the commanding officer freaked out because that man has been 30 days instead of depressed and de defeated and broken. He, in his mind, took something apart, laid out all the parts, and then put it all back together across 30 days. And it kept him sane. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, that was an exercise he didn't just do. He learned already how to do that. So when he was in that situation, it got him through. So uh, scripture memorization and meditation is more than just memorizing. Okay, it's different than just memorizing. Remember when you were in class, in history class, you had to memorize all the dates. You had to memorize people and events, and it was just memorization. But there are two key things to this thing we're talking about. The first one's called memorizing. Memorizing plants a verse or pa passages of scripture firmly in your mind so that you can recall it whenever you need it. As a matter of fact, it's like you can see it. There are, there are many times when I'm reading my Bible, I think of a verse and I go, okay, it's on the left side of the page, back there in Psalms, somewhere around the first section of Psalms. I can see it in my mind. I've memorized it. Then there's meditation, which explores a verse or passage of Scripture until you discover the meaning of what it said. One records what God said. The other understands what God said. That's why they both go together. And a lot of people have memorized the scripture and it did nothing for them because they never pondered what's in it. Is there any more to it? Is it just words or is it God's word? So I want to say that meditation is not something for monks or for mystics or for theologians, but it's for those who want to be victorious Christians, who want to look at life and go, I got a hold on this because I have a hold on his word. I don't have to worry because I'm trusting and I'm confident that God is right. So how it works, go to John 15, John chapter 15. John 15. John 15, seven, I'm gonna tell you, a, 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 it's a financial term. I'm gonna use this in, in relation to Scripture memorization and meditation. It's called return on investment. Okay, right now, if I gave my money to the bank, will I get any return on the investment? Oh, I'll give them a thousand euros. I'll get, they'll, they'll pay me for that, won't they? No. I'll give them a hundred thousand. No, they'll gladly take your money, but there's no return on investment. But there is with what I'm gonna show you this morning. John 15, seven. If you abide in me, stay close to me. You walk with me, Jesus says, and if my words, what the next three words say, abide in you, if they stay in you, if they stick in you, if they live in you, then you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. So what I want to encourage you to do is from, from now on, you say, 
Is, is, you're asking us to do more? Yes, I am. I'm asking you to put your phone down first thing in the morning and pray, read your Bible, and get you one verse, spend 10 minutes thinking, about, thinking out loud about one scripture verse a week. That one verse all week long. Because it will do the following. Once you have planted it in your mind, it will start to grow and produce fruit. It'll replace the lies you've always believed because all of a sudden truth just dislodges. I use an example. Uh, I use this with kids. Back when I first was teaching children's church, I tried to teach the kids about meditation, uh, memorization back then in meditation. We have all kinds of rubbish going into our mind. I mean, it's just, bleh, you wouldn't touch it. You wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't want to revisit it, yet it's stuck in your head. All that stuff stuck in your head, just it's in there, all right? And if I want to, I can bring it back out. It's still dirty. The brain doesn't clean it up. So what am I going to do? Well, the more I, and I'm just using a stupid, simple illustration. You can make it really emphatic or whatever. The more I put clean things inside of my head, the more I think on right things and pure things, true things, the more I shove that in there, it does something to all that swill, all that rubbish, all that um, filth that's been put into my head. First thing it does is it crams it all into the back so it's not at the front. See, that's why we put Jesus at the first day of the week, because what are we trying to do? We're trying to shove everything out second, third, and fourth, because when, when Jesus is first, that's the first thing that when you're under stress, he comes out. The thoughts that are right come out, the trust, the faith, the hope, that comes out because it's right at the surface. You've been shoving it in there. But it does something else that's wonderful. The longer you keep putting good stuff into your brain, the more your memories, memory is about right things, not about your past. Please don't spend time reviewing all the hurts. Oh, what's that? Uh, all, the, all the troubles, all the disappointments. He said this and she did that. As you keep shoving stuff into the front, somehow everything else starts disappearing. You start losing your old mind. And what am I giving the illustration? It goes off into the subconscious and it's almost impossible to dredge it up because it's nearly gone. Now, you got to be aware, whatever you put in two people's heads and their minds, it's in there forever. You want to make it so it's so far back there you can't get at it. Does that make sense? But it doesn't go there by accident. It goes there as you put good things in. Does that make sense? All right. So the kids got it back 30 years ago. I'm asking you to get it now, okay? So he says, he says, it will replace all the, lie, the lies. You start finding out, like we were teaching the kids last week in the Bible, uh, two weeks ago in the Bible camp, that they're fearfully and wonderfully made. You start driving that home into kids, there's none of them are going to believe they're an accident. It's none of them are going to believe that they're, they're uh, a mistake. Um, it will replace the lies. It will give you faith, hope, and assurance. Romans 10, 17 says faith comes not by a, a magical act of God. It happens, it comes by the Word of God. So if you want to get your faith stronger, you put more of the Word in your mind and your heart. It'll convict you. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And then the next verse says, I try the hearts. I expose you. I reveal what's in your heart. And as I read and I meditate and I memorize, all of a sudden I go, oh, he's talking about me. I'll never forget the... the the, the week that I got saved was a hard week because on Sunday, for the first time in my life, I realized the pastor was preaching about me. He was talking about somebody who was lost on his way to hell. And as he was talking, he wasn't using my name in his message, but I realized that's me he's talking about. I'm lost and I, I didn't like it, but it kind of finally hit me that that book was written to convict me and to convince me I need to get saved. And that's the day I got saved. So as you are reading the Bible, let it keep convicting you, showing you where you are sin. It will result. Listen, as you meditate in the word of God, as you think on these things, as we're told, as we, as we ponder what God has said, all of a sudden the Lord shows up and says, what do you think? What do you think? Do you like my book? It's kind of like you get to talk to the author. And the author is fellowshipping with you as you're meditating on his word. You will have great, a great fellowship with the author of that book. 
it'll become a, a, a weapon against sin and temptation. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. So as I meditate in this book, as I put it into my heart, it helps me so that I can fight. The Bible says the, the sword of the spirit is the word of God. It's my weapon against sin and temptation. Also, it'll give you good success. Joshua 1.8 ends and it says, if you um, uh, meditate on this day and night, you will have good success. You know, for, for 10 minutes a day, that's a little over an hour a week, would you, would you ask yourself, is that not a good return on investment? You say, well, I spend, you know, how many have an app on your phone that shows how much time you spent on different social media? It'll say, this past week, you spent six hours and 12 minutes on Facebook. You spent four hours on uh, uh, um, Safari or whatever. You spent three hours on, on Netflix. You spent Look at all that. What did you get out of it? Compared to, you know, if I just got 10 minutes, if I just do 10 minutes and think on one thing, think on these things. If I did that, the return of investment, that's not even the start of it. Let me tell you, there are 10 reasons to meditate on God's word. Uh, number one, it's to know the words of scripture more thoroughly and intimately than just words on a page. They become God's words to you. Uh, Psalm 119, the whole purpose of Psalm 119 is so that I learn that this book is something I should enjoy, that it should be part of my life. It will help you understand what God said. Uh, Isaiah 1.3 says, you can know me. Listen to Isaiah 1.3. The ox knoweth his owner, the ass his master's crib, but Israel doth not know me. Israel doesn't know me, and my people does not consider me. It doesn't ponder their God. Consider is to think about and, and, and understand God. You know, if, if the, uh, uh, it's kind of humorous, you watch somebody drive up with a, uh, with a vehicle next to a farm, and he gets out of the farm, and he gets over the, uh, the fence. All of a sudden, all the cattle come running. They know daddy's here to feed them, okay? And they know their owner. But when God starts to move in our midst, do we even know him? Do we consider him? It, it, as you ponder this, these words, even, you don't have to ponder the whole of it. There's 719,000 words. You don't have to ponder every single one of them before you know God. But as you ponder them, you get to know the author. It will help you remember God's love and his compassion and his care for his people. Psalm 48, 9 says this. We have thought of thy loving kindness, O God, in the midst of thy temple. We have thought of it. We've, we've reminded ourselves of it. It, it it was our, our normal thing that when we came into church, we were thinking of how good you were to us. That's a routine that you get into where you go, God has been good. Uh, meditating will help you be fruitful and successful. We already read in John 15, uh, uh, sorry, in Joshua 1.8, but John 15, we just read in verse 7, it says, if my words abide in you, the whole chapter is about bearing fruit. I'm the vine, you're the branches. This is how you bear fruit. And it helps you bear much fruit. It helps you have de depth to your faith. Go to Romans. I'm, I'm running through some of these things, but stay with me. Romans chapter 11 and verse 33. Romans 11, 33. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. What's he describing? He's describing as if you just found a Aladdin's cave and in that cave is a mound of riches and it is super deep it is not just a few coins sprinkled on the floor but it is the depth of all those riches and he's describing something far better than gold he says oh the depth of the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of God how unsearchable are his judgments you'll never figure them all out and his ways past finding out it's not that it's too far to find but that you ought to enjoy going through it because it never ever ends and it develops depth to your faith you know why when kids turn 16 17 18 19 years old and they go to college and they quit church and they quit on God and they quit family and they quit everything because they may have been saved they may have had a Bible but they never let it become deep never developed a depth to their life and to their heart give something else to you it allow it helps you to conquer satan's strongholds go to second corinthians chapter 10 
2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians 10 in verse 5. With our weapons, verse 4, verse 5 says we can cast down even our imaginations. We can throw them down. And every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Whatever Satan has set up as a stronghold, I can conquer that. Not because I have willpower, or, but the Bible does it. The Word of God is quick and powerful. The promises that the Bible can, can displace all of Satan's stronghold. And as we read already, I keep reminding you, I said, I meditate in the Word of God so I can fight sin in me. I want to fight sin in the world. I mean, there's, it, it, it doesn't seem to be slowing down. But instead of me fighting them, I better first start and fight in me. And thy word have I hid in my heart that I'm not sin against thee. So it helps me fight sin in me. Uh, and, it, and, and, it, and another thing that meditation does, it helps me obey God. James 1.22. Hebrews, James 1.22 is our memory verse. James 1.22 says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own self. So how do, I, how do I go from being a hearer to a doer? He says, verse 23, if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like unto a man beholding his natural face in the glass. Verse 24, watch what he does. For he beholdeth himself, he sees himself, and then goes his way. Straightway, forgetting what manner of man he was. What did he not do? He didn't look close. He didn't check. He didn't see. Oh, did I shave every corner? I didn't. Haven't shaved in weeks. Uh, but have I? Uh, did I? Did I leave some food between my teeth, or is there toothpaste on the corner of my mouth? Did I look? Is my tie straight? Did he look real close? And so, when he walks away from that, it says that he will only take a glance. He'll see it. He'll hear it. But it will not become a doing. And the more I meditate on it, the more it helps me obey God. And I found that most Christians will fight God constantly until they are convinced that he's right. And I can't convince you he's right. The Bible does. So the more I get you into the Bible, the more we'll all have unity, folks. And it'll help you pray better. You know, the more you know the will of God, the, know you know, the more you know how to pray. Most of us pray outside of the will of God. But if we know what God's will is, it's real easy to pray. And number 10, the best part, it will change my mind. It'll change me from the inside out. It'll help me uh, to renew daily what's inside my head, make it clean and right with God. So let me just talk to you about how do you do this thing, all right? Medi memorization. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 11. Deuteronomy chapter 11 in verse 18. Deuteronomy 11:18 says, "Therefore shall ye lay up, lay as means build one on top of the other, these my words in your heart and in your soul, and bind them for a sign upon your hand that it may be as frontlets between your eyes." What's he saying? I want you to see see my words everywhere you go, so that you are constantly thinking about them and memorizing on them. Now, the truth is, you're never going to memorize Scripture until you, I'm sorry, you're never going to meditate on Scripture until you memorize it. Uh, how many of you know your birthday? I asked uh, Anthony if he can do his. How many of you know where you live? You know your address? You know, I, I hated the air code coming out because all of a sudden I had to memorize this contorted address of mine in six digits, and some people have seven digits, stuff like this. But we memorized it, didn't we? All right? We, 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 if you know your I, you know, it's amazing how many of us don't remember our phone numbers anymore, but uh, we do know some things. We memorize statistics. We memorize stuff. But you can memorize Scripture. You just got to be willing to discipline yourself so that you do it. A Christian does what is right, not what is easy. So choose one verse. Say, so how do you choose? Well, choose it from your reading. I just finished reading First um, uh, Samuel and Second Samuel there, and First Samuel sixteen seven says, "I, the Lord, 
for the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. I'm memorizing 1 Samuel 16, 7. I memorized it years ago. I haven't memorized it, so I'm trying to memorize that verse now. As I was reading, I went, I'm going to re-memorize that verse. As you're reading your Bible, you'll mark and you go, there's a verse I want to memorize. That's where you get your scriptures from. Maybe you get it from preaching. Maybe you'll hear something in church and you go, boy, what he said was right, and I don't want to forget it, so I'm going to write that scripture down. I'm going to memorize just one verse. It'd be really cool if every week you got something out of my message. <laughs> that was a encouragement. <clears throat> get, got something, he says, I'm going to meditate on that all week long. Uh, just choose something and then uh, write it out. Write out word for word. Now, when you do that, um, you maybe get you a, a, a three by five card. I have since, I, I have a whole bunch of cards and I've cleaned up my office. Oh, I hate cleaning my office because I lose stuff. <laughs> my office in my at home is wonderful now, but I can't find all my scripture cards. So I had to just bring some blank, blank ones. But get you a, a card that you can put in your pocket or that you can put in your purse and, and, and you write it out and then carry that with you everywhere you go. Don't leave it behind. Take it with you <clears throat> so you can rehearse it over and over. Psalm 119, 16, I'll just quote it to you. It says, I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy law or thy word. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. That's a good scripture. So you got to say, I'm going to memorize this so I don't forget it. And, and it's good for you to speak it out loud and get somewhere you just say it out loud. And all you have to do is pull it out, say it out loud one, two times, and then put it away. And, and it just starts sticking. Uh, Matthew 4.4, 4, Matthew 4.4. 4. I need you to look at this because you need to memorize every word. Matthew 4.4. 4. Jesus is talking to the devil and he says, he answered and said, Matthew 4, 4, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by most every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Is that what it says? But by every word. So remember every single word. Don't lower your standards and only get a few of the words right. Make sure you memorize every word, can recite everything word for word. Uh, memorize its, its reference as well. Uh, it's kind of nice if you're married with your husband and your wife, just quote it to one another. And, she, and your wife will go, ah, you skipped a word or whatever. That's part of it. Now, that's the first thing you do. But that's to get you to where you need to be, and that's in the meditation. And when you, when you, when you start to have something that you're meditating on, you're putting something from your mind into your heart. Deuteronomy 6.6 6 says this. It says, these words which I command you this day shall be in your heart. So don't make it just someplace, something that you're putting into your mind. That's memorization. Put it into your heart. That's meditation. So ponder each word, engraving it, just making it so it's permanently there. Uh, the more you ponder, the more you will see in a verse. I, I brought... Um, uh, a collection of, of, of rocks and stuff. Uh, this is just one of them. My kids have, uh, I've tried to enjoy collecting rocks with my kids. They don't enjoy it just as much as, as I do, but Connor's picking it up, okay? But, um, you know, how do you find rocks like this? Now, a lot of these rocks you can't find in Ireland, okay? But I'm taking Connor around with me. Connor, Chloe goes as well, and Colum and stuff. We're going around looking, and we went to Fitzgerald's Park. You go to um, the regional park and go along, and you just go looking, and you'd be amazed at what rocks you can find and the crystals um, and uh, the unique shapes. I mean, these things are all, some of these looks, things look like you could eat them, okay? They're so beautiful. This is, I forget the name of this thing, but that's the shape of the rock as it came out of the ground. I mean, it looks like it was manufactured, but it is nature. There are beautiful colors and beautiful rocks, which on one side you wouldn't know was there until you open it up and you find out there's beautiful color in that rock and shapes and things. What are you doing when, 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 you're, when you're looking at these rocks? It's like looking at the Word of God. The more you ponder Scripture and you look at it from different angles, you look at just a word like, 
I don't know. Uh, think of the word propitiation. That's a big word. That's just the one that comes to mind. There are a lot of other maybe different words you could think about, but propitiation means full payment. And the more you ponder that a word and you start to run it, well, that's what atonement means. And atonement means at one meant. It means the bringing together of two enemies and bringing them together and making them one again. That's propitiation. When you start to ponder and you start to open up words and see the depth and the color and the beauty in God's words. Now, a lot of people get excited about poetry, and I like poetry. But poetry doesn't hold a candle to the power of the Word of God. When you ponder it and when you let it affect you in your heart. Uh, as you go along, you'll find yourself like a cow, okay? Not looking like a cow, but... A cow, as we said a couple weeks ago, takes a chunk of grass and starts chewing on it, and you think it's done. No, it's hard to digest grass. So he'll swallow it, and a little while later, he'll bring it back up and chew on it some more and put it into a different stomach. And he'll bring it up and chew on it some more. And that's called ruminating. That's an old word. It just means pondering, making it easier and easier to understand and to digest. So what do you do? This is how you ponder. Come to a verse like Romans 8, 28, one of the most precious scriptures for a Christian. And what you first do is you ask yourself questions, going word by word. Like, what does it mean to know? What are the most powerful words in that entire uh, group, that entire verse, and that verse, entire sentence is, and we know. It's not just hope. It's not just faith. It's something we know. Well, what do we know? That all things work together. Everything, like, a, like the ingredients of a cake, none of it tastes good, except the sugar, until you bring it all together in a cake. And most of our life doesn't taste good, doesn't seem good, until it's all brought together and God does something with it. And so, ask yourself questions. Who's it for? It's for them that love God. It's for them, people who have bad attitudes and bitter attitudes and bitter spirits and they walk away from God and they give up on God. They miss out on God working everything together for good. Ask God, what does he mean? You come to the word called. What does that mean? That's a theological term. It's a wonderful thing. Just as, just as you are called to God's purpose. You're, just, you're not just saved for a purpose. You're called. You have a calling. And if you just surrender to whatever God designed you to be, that doesn't mean it'll be something you usually um, you know, will hate. You'll actually enjoy it because it's God doing it through you. But those who are the call, those who are responsive to God's call, will see everything work together in the end. Ask God what he means. Test what he's saying. Sometimes you're reading along and you go, I'm not sure if I understand what that means. Good. Do us all good to not think we know everything. So we ask, test, look up, cross-reference. But once you start to know something, once you start to see a truth, believe with all your heart, apply it to your life right now. There are plenty of people I know need that verse today. They need to, they need to know that God is working everything, no matter how rotten it is. I've got a pastor friend of mine right now uh, up in, in uh, Scotland. His wife uh, uh, got sick got into the hospital, um, uh, got taken to the hospital because she couldn't breathe. While she was in the hospital, she had pneumonia and then turned into COVID. And they convinced him to put an intubator in her. She was dying right through all that thing. He's a pastor friend of mine. His wife uh, uh, has just now come out of that thing. It has been a dark, long week of him wondering, is she ever going to come out of that hospital? You know, one thing that he needed was somebody to pray for him and encourage him saying, God's good. God's good, and you're going to need that. You're going to need that where you apply it to your life and then obey each command. What's the command in that verse? To know, I need to know some things. The command is that I need to love God. There's a command that needs, I, the command in there is I need to be doing what he called me to do. And then as you go, you know, it's a good thing that what, when you memorize something at seven in the morning and you meditate on it, you start there, and then at three in the afternoon, it comes back. That's a good thing. Uh, scripture, David says, um, uh, what's the scripture where he says, uh, oh yeah, Psalm 119, 97 says, oh, how love I thy law, it is my meditation all the day, not just on Sundays or at various times. So, 
uh, add scriptures every week. Don't, don't, don't just, you know, know John 3, 16. That's a good one to start with. But review the scriptures. Enjoy what God shows you. Seek for a fresh scriptural memorial. Each time you memorize scriptures, like setting up a memory. And every time you come through a, a dark valley, you remember that memory of, oh, God was there. There's a scripture for this uh, event in my life. And, and there are thousands of scriptures, like Philippians 4, 8, which just did there. In John 14, 27, says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth. Uh, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. That's John 14, 27. Uh, how about Isaiah 26, 3? One of my favorite verses, not even in the list, and says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed, anchored, stuck, whose mind is stayed on thee. Thou will keep him in perfect peace. Um, Ecclesiastes 9, 10 says, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, if you're kind of bored or whatever, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. Get busy and do something with all your might, for there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave whither thou goest. These are all scriptures I've memorized, but I forget. Just, I'm just reading them because I know I'll mess them up. And I'm like, I got to keep this up because they are precious to me. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. How many of you know that one? 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There, therefore, uh, uh, there had no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not tempt you above that which you are able, but will with the temptation also Make a way to escape. I'll never forget memorizing that verse as a new Christian. I thought I'd just climbed Mount Everest. It was such a big verse. But I still have it. And you need that verse. I've actually, the scriptures for this year, I actually put, there's, there's a bunch of them over there. If you want one, it is all the scriptures of, of this year, size enough to fit in your pocket, gentlemen, uh, where every verse is laid out. And you can go through James 1.22, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers, only deceiving your own selves. 2 Timothy 3.15, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. These are scriptures that we've tried to memorize this year, one a month, only one a month. What if you took one out every day? So I'm going to meditate on that all day long. I'm going to try to understand that. I want to try to learn from that. So you're welcome to grab one. Take it with you and see how you get on. Now, I prefer that you write your own, but at least this will get you started, okay? Um, here's the finish. I know I'm talking about something nobody wants to do because it's just more work, but wouldn't you like to have a mind that is different? Wouldn't you like your mind be able to be excited about things that are good instead of numb? Wouldn't you like your mind cleaned up and changed and made right? Uh, uh, I hate describing this thing, but most of our brains are like an unchanged nappy. And it just goes on and stinks worse and worse. And God sees it and you see it. It'd be nice to have a cleaned up mind. And only that book can get in there and clean it up. And it happens when we put the Bible in. So there are hours and hours of instruction I, that I could show you in the scripture that talk about changing our minds. There's at least two dozen examples of people who meditated on the scripture and it, and, it, and it got them through. But I'm gonna ask you, don't ignore what God has given you today. The longer you go with your old mind, your old way of thinking, the harder it's gonna to be to change. What do they say? It's hard, to it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks. So if you've got a young mind, don't waste it. You should, uh, I, I was in, I, I, I tell you these things, don't misunderstand. I'm not bragging, but I do try to tell you it's possible. I was in Bible college and we had to memorize uh, for a uh, soul winning class, uh, it's called personal evangelism. The first semester, we had to memorize 75 scriptures. 12 scriptures for dealing with Roman Catholic. 12 scriptures for dealing with a Mormon. Da -da, all these things. And I thought, how are you going to memorize? I did it. It's just something you had to do. The second semester, we had to memorize 100 more. <laughs> Two semesters of this nightmare. Then I got into Greek class. We had to memorize 300 Greek words and their declensions and their meanings and stuff like this. Let me just tell you, when you're young, you can do that because you're a sponge. The older you get, the harder it is. Do it now. Don't wait till you look back in your life and say, I have put in so many hours of Netflix and so many hours of YouTubes, and I have no Christian life to show for it. 
God commands us to memorize and meditate on these words. To fill your mind. Don't, don't, don't listen to the world talk about it. empty your mind. No, fill it with good things. It does something to all the rubbish. There is a great return on the investment just of 10 minutes a day. And 10 minutes, I mean it, where you actually take the verse, and you're not just reading it, uh, being born again of a corruptible seed, not of a corruptible, but of the word of God, which should live in the body forever. Okay, I'm done. Bye. That doesn't help you at all. But being born again, I'm born again. Not a corruptible seed, corruptible. Things that corrupt and ruin and decay. Doesn't, I didn't get born again by the church or get born again by something I did or whatever. But by incorruptible, something incorruptible, something that never changes, something that never fades. By the word of God which liveth. The book's not just words, it's alive. Which liveth and abideth forever. You ponder on that for just a few minutes, your life and your day will be very, very different. Matter of fact, it'll change your life. Uh, I, I can tell you, preaching, I, I preach and I teach and I pray and I do all this for you, but it's never going to do you any good until you take it in and you make it your life. And that's where this comes in. Because that's how you got saved. You actually took what God said, you brought it in, you believed it, and it became true. Let every word do that. Let's stand. Let's bow in prayer. Father, um, we have your word. We have your perfect word. And we have every word. But we don't, we don't save it. We don't keep it. It's still in a book. Sometimes in our hands, sometimes it's open, sometimes it's even before our eyes and we can read out of it, but it's not like it's in our life. It's not like it's in our minds and it's definitely not in our hearts, God. Uh, in our heart is a lot of mess and it should be nice to replace that. So Lord, we've talked uh, about memorization and meditation. It's not a, a, uh, an easy, fun subject because it's work. But if we... Lord, I want to be like the Lord who is the Word in flesh. If we want to be like Him, we're going to have to put more of the Word in us. I pray that everybody in this room would consider how much time they could spend not just reading, and they've got to read, and, and not just studying, and they do have to study, but pondering, thinking about, opening up and enjoying and learning and loving and experiencing and, and, and maturing through just memorization and meditation. They go hand in hand today. If there's anybody in this room, and there may be, who does not have a relationship with you. To them, the Bible is just words. To them, Jesus is just a name. And they've never let the truth ever sink down in their hearts that they're lost without hope. Without a Savior today, they need to be saved. I pray that they would believe with all their heart that only Jesus saves and he can save them. Would they humble themselves? Would somebody in this room humble themselves and say, God, I need you. I've, I've prayed a thousand times, help me, but today I'm praying, save me. Reach into my heart. And, Lord, open it up. Give me, give me new life. Give me the gift of eternal life. That's what you promised I, I accept it now. I want to be your child. I want to be born again. I prayed a simple prayer kind of like that a long time ago. I only had to pray it once. I only had to believe it once, and you answered. God, I pray to be true, not, not just for me, but for everybody in this room. Lord, bless as we finish up this service with somebody getting saved, please. In Jesus' name, amen.